Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm so thankful that you've tuned in. Um, welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. I am Dolly Barker, and I wanted to um, talk to you a little bit today about saving your soul. It's uh, very important. So many people get born again, and they think that that's all there is to it. They get saved, and then they get baptized, and um, they just go on ahead and live out in the world like everybody else, and they just stay stuck on the repenting. You know, you do repent from your ways when you come to the Lord originally, but once you're born again, you're saved. I mean, you sin is not even being imputed to you anymore. There is such a grace and a freedom involved in that. And a lot of people understand that there's a grace, but they don't really know what's next. And um, when the Lord showed me this, I felt like everybody knew what he was showing me, but I, I'm learning now that maybe everybody doesn't. And so I wanted to share with you, um, we're getting our master text from 1 Thessalonians 5.23. <clears throat> it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What that's saying is, you're a three-part being. Holy. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And God would like for all three of those parts of you to be saved and to be strong and, and successful um, in their right order. Once you've been born again, the, the next thing we need to do is save our souls. You're spiritually born again. You're spiritually connected to God. You can't get any more saved spiritually than you already are once you've called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why <clears throat> He is our foundation. And everything else that we do is based on that. Now, a lot of people take their salvation and then they start trying to do good works or they start trying to not sin. If you focus all your attention on sin, you are going to be a good sinner because you're going to sin a lot. You know, somebody once said to me, if you're, if you're driving down the road, but you're looking in the rearview mirror the whole time, you are going to wreck. You're going to run into a ditch. You cannot move forward and do what God's called you to do by only staring at your mistakes. I remember, I think it was Jerry Savelle was talking about, he got to finally ride in a race car or somebody did. I don't remember who it was. But they got to finally ride in a race car out on one of those racetracks, and they were going pretty fast. And, and the expert told them before they got going, they said, don't look at the wall. And they're like, okay, don't look at the wall. Okay, I won't, I won't look at the wall. Listen, do not look at the wall. Because if you're focused on that wall, you're going to crash into it. Because wherever your eyes are at, that is the direction you're going to head. Because that's what our eyes are. Our eyes help us to see the direction we want to go in. And so it's very important that we keep our eyes faced in the right direction where they're supposed to be so that we can accomplish the job at hand. Um, I've been sharing um, about how to save your soul. And in a nutshell, you know, it's pretty much you just you live life by faith. You live a life of faith. And, you know, as soon as you start talking about, oh, she's one of those faith preachers, I definitely am one of those faith preachers because we're supposed to live by faith. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So, yes, there is a faith walk for us. But um, <clears throat> it's not what you think. I know a lot of people just think, well, it's just 
you know, naming and claiming and blabbing and grabbing and all that kind of stuff. And just everybody, all they want is your money. And no, that's all you want. And so that's why that's all you can see. And so we have to understand that we're judging people according to how we see ourselves. We could get into the whole image of God and how how we see ourselves affects our judgment on every other person on the planet. But I wanted to share with you why the process of, of living by faith is so successful because it's going to take faith for you to have a good marriage. It's going to take faith for you to have a good relationship with your children, for you to be at peace, for you to um, not be afraid, for you to sleep well, for you to be healthy, for you to, yes, prosper financially. All those things take faith. And so there's so much to faith. Um, it says in First Peter 1, Let's start reading in verse 7. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So what we're supposed to be doing before Jesus comes back is going through the trial, trying to save our faith, our, our, our soul, which is by faith. It's when you step out to believe God for something, you're going to go through a trial because the enemy and the circumstances and your unrenewed mind and everything else is going to challenge the authenticity of what you say you believe or what you're expecting to happen. Um, it says in verse 8, Whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So if Jesus is the finisher of our faith, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, pretty much means as you're living by faith, you're going to see the conclusion of that faith, which would be a soul saved. Now, <clears throat> your soul is so similar to your spirit because you're created in the image of God as an individual that because you're in the genus, you're in the God class, that a lot of times people get the two confused. Well, the Word of God is your, is your help because the Bible says the Word of God is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder between the soul and the spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the only way you can really tell the difference between where you're at and where you ought to be and what's in your spirit and what's in your soul and what's you know just your flesh and things like that, the Word of God is the most important tool. Um, and I want to just tell you right now, I don't know how you're going to do any of this without the baptism in the Holy Spirit because I have tried to serve the Lord without Him. And I'm telling you, it's just much better, much easier. Things make sense. I can understand things whenever I am walking in the Spirit, when I'm in connection with the Holy Spirit. And um, there is a manifestation. Of course, the Holy Spirit moved in you when you got saved, but there is a manifestation of an overflowing. The kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God, um, you know, is is everything. So you're going to have to, I believe you have to have the Holy Spirit to be able to do this successfully. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can do it. But I tell you what, it made a difference in my life. And so I suggest that. <clears throat> Um, Hebrews 11, verse 32. We're going to look at Hebrews today. Because what I wanted to talk about today was the process of saving your soul. There is a process of, of faith. There is a process. There is a way that it actually works. 
And I have done this through 25 years of trial and error and learning and understanding and researching and not quitting and keep seeking the Lord. And the next thing you know, you get more information and you just are more successful at it all the time. So you start understanding things. But um, Kim Clement preached this sermon, yeah, 20-something years ago in, in a meeting I was in. And that changed my life forever that day. He said, the call to remembrance, I'm in, I'm in Hebrews 10, 32. Call to remembrance in the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. Okay, so the word illuminated there is the word photismo, which is the word where we get the word photograph. Um, before this digital age of cell phones and stuff, there was a process. When you took a picture of somebody, that's where we got pho- photograph from, fo- from the word photismo. When you took a picture of somebody, what would happen was the shutter on the camera would open. The light would enter the camera and, and sear the, the image onto the film. And then you would take the film out of the camera. You would go into a dark room. You would put it in some chemicals and stuff. And then you would hang them up there. And then you would bring them out of the room when they were finished. And the image that you saw when the shutter had opened and the light had come in was the image that was now on the the photography paper. Now, it's a process. I don't know all those steps perfectly, but that's the gist of it. So that's what the word illumination means. So at some point in your life, you get illuminated. Maybe you're sitting in a church service. Maybe you're listening to a preacher on a radio. Maybe you're you're reading the Bible for yourself, and all of a sudden, bam, you know something. You understood that. Wow. You mean God loves me? Or, you know, and, and you tell other people, you're like, hey, y'all know what? God loves me. And they're like, yeah, I know. And you're like, no, 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 I don't think you understand. Because what just happened to you was you got a revelation. You were illuminated. God opened up something, and the light of the Word of God shined in your heart and made an image on your heart. And then the shutter shut. And now you know something you did not know before. That is the power of hearing preachers. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You, how can they hear unless they preach? You, you can't hear without a preacher. That is the most amazing time when a preacher is preaching and there's an anointing on what they're saying that you receive. That's why another reason right now why the world is screaming that the church is not essential. I'm telling you, it is the most essential thing on the planet. The church is the only thing holding back total evil and devastation on the entire world. So it is essential. Yes, it is. But it's very essential for you to be in the house of God. In, in a house of God where there's an anointed preaching going on because you get illuminated. Once you get illuminated, once that image is made on the inside of you and you understand something, now you're going to go through the process of developing that. Okay? This is going to take faith. This is going to take you believing what God has said or what God has shown you is the truth, even if, you, if it doesn't look like it in the natural realm. Even if the circumstances don't bear it out, even if it doesn't seem like it or smell like it or feel like it or anything else, but somehow you know something and you know it's the truth. And at that moment, you're able to hold on to the promise until it manifests. So let me, let me go ahead and read some more. I want to show you. It says in verse three, 33, 
partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. Now, what's going to happen the minute that image is carved inside of you, and you know something now, there's going to come reproaches and afflictions. Now, reproaches are criticizing mistakes, and afflictions are physical or mental distresses. The enemy is going to come steal the word. Mark 4. The sower goes out. He sows the word. Some of it falls on good ground. Some of it's on stony. Some of it's on thorny. But immediately, immediately the enemy comes to steal the word that was sown in your heart. Immediately he's going to try to come and put pressure on you. He's going to criticize you. He's going to tell you how stupid you're being and how ridiculous this sounds. He's going to cause you physical and mental distress. He's going to have other people say things. All this is an effort to get you to abandon the thing that God revealed to you. Okay, that is what's going to happen. But the second part of that is while you become companions of them that are so used. Once you start seeing how this works, once you start experiencing it and you're understanding it and you're getting some victory over it and you're you're realizing what the Bible is saying here is actually absolutely what's happening, you're literally becoming a companion of every one of us that are so used like this. All of a sudden, you're becoming knit with the body of Christ in a real legitimate way. All of a sudden, you're becoming important to the kingdom of God in the earth. You're becoming an asset and not a liability. Okay? So, this is a win-win situation. Verse 34. For you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that you have in heaven a better and more enduring substance. Listen. You went through some stuff. When you had that image in you and you're, you know it happened, you're believing it, you're holding on to it, and you're standing in faith, you're going to be able to endure everything that's going on, and you're going to do it, and you're going to be happy about it because you're realizing not only are you about to have the manifestation of that thing right now in this natural realm, but you are so, you're also going to have an eternal reward. in heaven a better and enduring substance you're going to have something that's legitimate when you get to heaven everybody's not going to have that because everybody's not trying to live a life of faith everybody's just took the grace of God and they're just going to run out there and just live their life try not to kick any dogs try to help an old lady cross the street and hope that their good outweighs their bad because they're not acting according to knowledge they don't even know what the Bible says and so I want to encourage you that walking by faith is just the smart thing to do. In verse 35, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Listen, there is a great recompense of reward. Don't be so fast and easy to abandon the thing that you're believing for. That thing you're standing and believing, it matters more than everything else in your life. Trust me. Trust me. And even though the enemy's threatening you and making you think, you know, he made me think for a long time my husband was going to leave me because I started doing all this and I wasn't going to have a marriage. My kids weren't going to have their father. And, and I finally came to the point where I'm like, you know, God, if I need him, you're going to give him the grace to hang around. And if I don't, I'm trusting you because I know what you showed me is real. And I stuck with it. And do you know what happened? I have the greatest husband in the world. He preaches more than I do now. So that was just a lie of the enemy to make you think that you're going to end up in a worse state than before you heard something from God. That's crazy. 
In verse 36, for you have need of patience, that after you're done, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You know, I have, I'm discovering right now, patience is like my best friend. Every time I would see the words patience, 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 I would get a little upset with God. I'm like, I felt like God was just procrastinating, not giving me my junk and stuff, you know. I didn't understand it. And now I'm seeing the benefits. I'm seeing the benefits. You know, I stepped out to believe God for something a couple of years ago. And it was the biggest thing I've ever believed God for. And I wanted it debt free. And, uh, you know, I needed it for the ministry. And, you know, I was, I stepped out to believe for it. And I thought I was in faith. I thought I was, I, I thought I was in strong enough faith to bring that to fruition. And, and, and it didn't work out the way I thought it would. And, um, I mean, I stepped, I kept believing, I kept believing. And then I got gung-ho again. I'm going to get this. It's mine in Jesus name, you know? And then, um, again, you know, I was getting distracted and worn down and things. But what was happening during that process is I was losing the parts of me that were my hindrance, the parts that were the, 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 the plants that were growing in my life that were not of God. I needed them to get out of my life because even though this thing is the biggest thing I've ever had to believe God for debt free, it's not the biggest thing God needs me to believe for. I have a world to reach. And if I don't figure out how to get free of the things that are holding me back at this level, how will I be able to do the next level? How will I be able to stand against the, you know, every effectual door has great adversaries. You know, so every time you go to the next level, every time you go to a, a greater place, you know, you have to be able to stand at that level. Um, you know, there's examples of it in the Bible, but let me, let me just stick with this real quick, though. So you got to have patience. You got to have patience after you've done the will of God that you might receive the promise. You're going to receive the promise if you don't quit. That is the only way you're not going to get that promise is if you quit. Now, the enemy's going to be telling you that you shouldn't even be believing for that stuff. Oh, my goodness. He's going he's gonna to have quite a case, and he's going to make it sound very spiritual. Oh, you're just being greedy. You're trying to consume it on your lust. You know, he's going to tell you everything under the sun. I mean, my goodness, here is Eve created in the image of God, living with God, walking with him every day in the cool of the day. And the devil says to her, you could be like God. And she was already as much like God as you could possibly be. But because he starts attacking and starts trying to confuse and starts trying to bring in doubt, then even Eve got deceived. And so he's going to try. He's going to try to, um, you know, to, to give you a hard time. But you don't give up. Just stay on track. If you're making a mistake, God will reveal it to you. But the Bible tells us he gives us the desire of our heart. So when you've prayed for something or he's... He reveals stuff to you. He has told me what to believe for. I love it when he does that because then there's no question about it. God told me to ask him for this, so I'm going to. And I'm going to hold on until I get it. So, you know, if you're having a hard time, sit down with God. Say, God, is it okay with you if I believe you for this? He'll show you scriptures. He'll teach you. He'll reveal it to you. Don't let the enemy steal it from you because the only way you're not going to get what you're believing for is if you quit. There's no glory in you being sick. There is no glory for God in you being broke. 
there's no glory for God in you being miserable. So, you know, the more you walk by faith, the more patience you have to have, the more time you're going to end up spending with God discussing things, the more you're going to get to know God. The more you get to know God and you see him for who he is, the Bible says you become just like him. You change everything about you changes. You literally, it's a win, 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 win situation. You're going to get what you're believing for. But in the process, you're going to have a closer relationship with God. And you're going to save your soul, which means eternal rewards. I mean, this thing is just, it couldn't get any better than this. It goes on in verse 37. For yet a little while, and he'll come that'll come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but to them that believe to the saving of the soul. Perdition means destruction. Um, you know, if you bail, if you quit, you know, the enemy, when he, when he, if he defeats you or if he manages to steal this promise from you or this thing that you're believing God for, if he manages to get it away from you, He's going to usurp himself over you if he can. He's going to condemn you for sure. He's going to make you feel like an idiot. He's going to abuse you in every possible way he can. And then he's, if he can, he's going to get you mad at God because it didn't work. And you tried it and it didn't work. You know, I, I, was, I was kind of stressing because I've been believing God for something for about three and a half years now. And when I say I'm believing God for something, I'm not saying that it was some nonchalant thing that I wanted. And so... You know, three and a half years later, I'm just wondering, if I ever going to get this? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I have 11 by 14 pictures of what I'm believing God for all over my entire house. Everywhere I go. It's on my vision board, too. It's at work. It's everywhere. It's on my phone. I keep it before my eyes. I know what I'm doing. I have I have went and 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 beheld it. I have made phone calls. I have, I have done, I have sown seed after seed. I have done. I'm telling you, it is mine already. And then God has even told me it's yours. So, I mean, there's, there's no question, but I still haven't received it yet. This, this thing in particular. So I am, I'm still standing. I'm believing God. And then I hear some faith preacher. I love it. He says, you know, whenever he started believing God for this big thing that he needed for his ministry, he said, God, you know, I'm ready. Let's do it. He was figuring it would take him three or four years because he was believing for something so big. And um, so he thought it would take him a while, and it took him two months. And that gave me such a peace because he's been doing this a whole lot longer than me, and he was still planning on it taking him a few years to do it. So I'm like, oh, praise God. I'm, I'm in good company here. I'm in good company. I'm becoming a companion of them who are so used. I am, I'm experiencing the things they've experienced. They understand where I'm coming from. I understand where they're coming from. I don't judge them quite like I used to. Years ago, I did. I was hard on them, man. I just thought, oh, these faith preachers. I had no idea what I was talking about. And today, once God started showing me about the saving the soul thing, man, this is important. This is important. And I'm telling you, that's what believers are supposed to be doing right now. We're supposed to be walking this life out obtaining things. The Bible says that we'll have them here in this life and in the life to come eternal life. You know, it's a twofold thing when you believe God and, and, and receive something. I want to just throw this in there, you know. 
Because if you have a bunch of faith people, you know, let's just take the, the popular faith teachers today that are in the world. They're believing God for some pretty big, amazing things. And, but they're doing some very big, amazing things for the world and for the ministry. But because there's not, uh, a, you know, thousands and thousands of them, they take the brunt of all of the assignments of the, the enemy. You know, there's only so many enemies, you know, and they're not omniscient or omnipotent. You know, they're, they were just, they were angels. They're not a competition for God. But because of our bad self-image, and we don't really understand always what the Word of God says, we have a lack of knowledge, we suffer a lot of problems that we shouldn't have to be suffering. But I tell you what, if, if all believers would step up today and just start believing God for something, something, believe God to pay your light bill. He has done it. I, I was, God, probably, I don't know, 25, 26 years ago, I'm sitting on my living room floor. My light bill, my lights are getting cut off that day. I am sitting in my living room floor. And I'm praying. I'm not going to ask anybody for it because I already had asked God for it. And I was believing that God was going to do it. I'm tithing. I'm believing God. I got a scripture that says he meets all my needs. The lights are my need. I'm believing God for it. And at that time, my father-in-law lived with us. And this was years before he died. And um, he would give us a couple hundred dollars on the first of the month because he helped pay the bills. You know, he wanted to help pay the the house note and stuff. But he he didn't know that right now. You know, this is the middle of the month. My, I'm, it's light bill time. It's around the 15th or something. I'm not expecting any money from him. I'm not expecting, we're between paychecks. I don't know how it's going to come. And I'm sitting there in my living room floor praying and believing God for it. And my father-in-law comes walking down the hallway and he has a shoebox full of rolled quarters. And he said, hey, Dolly, look at what I got. I said, wow, that's a pretty big haul. He goes, yeah, I emptied out my piggy bank and rolled it up. And it's a couple hundred dollars. And I wanted, I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and pay my rent for next month. And I started jumping around and praising God. And he said, what's wrong? What, what's going on? I said, well, my lights are getting cut off today. And he got really mad at me for not asking him for the money in the first place. But I told him, I said, I wasn't having my faith in you. I was having my faith in God. I was believing that God would do it. I had a way out. I could ask him. I could call my parents. I could call one of my sisters or somebody. I had a way out. But the point was, I was trying to believe God. I didn't want to borrow the money from somebody else. I wanted to pay my own light bill. And and I was just standing and believing. And he did it. Just in a supernatural way. And from that moment on, I have known God is going to pay my bills. And it's like, there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in that because I have a relationship with God that says I can trust him and that he is my ever-present help in time of need. Now, there have been times when I have stepped out to believe God for something and it didn't come on my timetable. And I would be all, you know, devastated and stuff. But he would always show me when I would ask, God, what's going on here? Why is this happening? What is this? What is that? And he showed me sometimes. Sometimes I did it to myself. And I, I mean, I, can, I could walk you through some stuff. Sometimes I did it to myself. But always, whatever it was, was given back to me with interest because the enemy used me and manipulated me and did all kind of stuff. And the Bible says that when the thief is caught, you get recompense, which you, know, you get a bunch more back. But I just want to encourage you today. 
you, you grow your faith. It doesn't matter how much faith you have now. In the Bible, Jesus talks about some people having little faith or no faith or great faith or unfeigning faith. You know, there's all kinds of different faith. There's different levels of faith. There's different levels of eternal reward. And God doesn't want you just to jump out there and get three more jobs so that you can do this thing you're believing him for. No, your labor should be to enter into his rest. He wants you to learn how to trust him. And maybe believing God for something big is not on the table for you right now. That's fine. Believe God for a pair of shoes. Believe God to be able to go out to eat this week. Believe God for gas money for, for work. Start off small. Talk to God about it. Make a plan. Sit down and get in faith. And because if you'll get in faith and start exercising your faith, you'll develop those faith muscles. You'll learn. You'll grow. You'll be, and, and, and you'll save your soul. Plus, you're going to get the thing you're believing for. Or else you're going to get a great lesson and God's grace is going to be on you and you're going to be able to make it until you figure it out. I'm telling you, it's a win-win situation. God wants to help you. And if every believer would just step up today and say, I'm going to believe God for something just so I can learn how to walk by faith. Not just so you can have everything and lay around on the couch eating bonbons. That is the most horrible life. When I lay around the house all day long, I feel terrible. I do much better if I just get up and go do something. And so that's not... That's not a blessing to be able to do that. So, but I want you to believe God for something. And if he does it, I want you to, I want you to contact me. Let me know that he did it because I know he will. And I want to get in faith with you. Um, you can always text me and, and leave a, a prayer request. We have live prayer at the church here every Tuesday, but 936-355-3399. That is our phone number if you want to text a prayer request. And I would love to join my faith with you and stand and agree with you. And I want to see you obtain the promises. Because if, if all the church would just start believing God for something, do you know the enemy couldn't stay constantly on those few people that are trying to advance the kingdom of God by faith? Do you know if, if, we, if we could spread the enemy out, the, the leaders in the church and the earth today could make advancements that would be staggering. I mean, it would be incredible to be a part of it. And I tell you what, I've, I've ran into a couple of them at different times in different ways. And every time they try to bless me somewhere. And, and it's, it's just powerful. Um, and so, and, and maybe you've been like me. Maybe in the past, you know, you've judged everybody that was trying to do this faith thing. And you just thought they were all grubbing money and stuff. Pray and ask God to show you how he sees them. Pray. Seriously, pray and ask God to reveal to you why they need the money they need and what they're doing. He'll show you. He showed me. And I want to encourage you to step out today, get in faith, and believe for something. Because your soul for eternity is going to be more precious than gold. Amen? That's going to be worth everything for you to have your soul when you're in eternity. Amen? Um, God bless you big, man. I love talking to you. I'm glad you joined me, and I will see you next time. Bye.